This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Uh, joining me on the phone, it is a wrestler Jake the Snake Roberts. We got a lot of good wrestling stories, but also a lot of good rock stories because this is, after all, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn, not Wrestle Talk. So we got a lot of that. But before that, I have got the one, the only, Rob DeLuca. He is currently on the road with Sebastian Bach doing the 30th anniversary of the first Skid Row record. But, but, his band, Spread Eagle, has a new album out called Subway to the Stars, which uh, you should definitely check out, pick up, buy, etc., etc., etc. As we say in Montreal, bonjour, uh, Robert. Uh, hello, Rob. How are you? Hey, Mitch. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's good to be here. Yeah, so we've got uh, Jake coming up right after you, but I wanted to get some stuff in here because you've been doing this tour with Sebastian, but but before that, I want to start with Spread Eagle, your own band, because we know you do UFO, you do Sebastian, but you do have your own thing. Uh, talk to me about this new release, because it's been only, you know, quarter of a century. so pretty strange so so, uh is it just uh was it a case of writer's block or uh no no, no, jokes aside (laughs) extreme writer's block (laughs) yeah only 26 years no but talk to me about this new subway to the stars and and, and i'm gonna throw questions at you real quick is this sort of the the end is this the period at the end of the sentence on spread eagle uh spread eagle or is this the beginning of a new chapter this is definitely the the beginning of a new sentence, new chapter, however you want to look at it. We're we're definitely back in the game of writing and recording and releasing new music and we're we're going to keep doing that from here on out. Good. So so talk to me about this one. How how do how did it come together after 26 years cuz I mean, I, I said it facetiously, but it is a quarter of a century. So what was sort of the inspiration? Who called who? Was it Frontier Records that said, hey, 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 guys, we have an idea? Or did you guys go, hey, we should just do something. It'll be fun. Well, we got back together in 2006 with regional touring in the northeast of USA. And we had been, you know, doing what good shows were presented to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, we flirted with writing over the years, but we didn't have the right, the right personnel yet. So the writing was good, but when you don't have the four correct people it's you know it wasn't exactly where it should be so um but then we finally got the right personnel and we got um ray west is the original singer and i and then we got Zeev shalev on guitar and my cousin rick DeLuca on drums and uh then we did some shows in europe we were lucky enough to be offered some shows in europe and then after that frontiers contacted me and it was time. We, I felt that the, the new lineup was, was it really did sound like Spread Eagle. And I was pretty confident that we would make a record that sounded like Spread Eagle. And our fans have made it clear that they agree that this is, we made the right record. So I'm very excited to move forward. Yeah, that's great. And so where do we go from here with Spread Eagle? Is this, we'll, we'll let this run out for like the next year, two years? Or do you think, okay, you know what? We can't. We just got to get back there with some new material with this lineup. And 2020, you know, maybe end of 2020, we've got like a second new Spread Eagle album. I don't think it's going to be coming out in the end of 2020 because I still want to tour through 2020 for this album. Um, but 2021 is a possibility. 
but it's definitely going to happen. I'm already writing for it, and uh, and it's going to be just as good as this one. Oh, I can't wait. Now, uh, of course, on uh, October 10th, you will be at the Grove in Anaheim, California, with UFO and the Last Orders Tour, the 50th anniversary farewell tour, I guess, slash farewell tour. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, what, what's it like for you to be in a band and seeing it sort of wind down slowly? Well, UFO means a lot to me because that's, you know, of course it's a good gig, you know, anyone would jump at it. But I've been in the band going on 12 years now, and I saw them as a kid. So they were a band that was important to me growing up. Um, and it's definitely bittersweet to hear about it ending. I'm just hoping that if you're going to do a farewell tour, that you do the world, you know, that we do all markets. And that's what I'm hoping happens. But that's, of course, up to Phil Mogg, and he, he deserves the, the right to make that decision, you know, holding the the flag for all for those 50 years um but yeah it's a little bittersweet but the band's still fantastic and um vinnie moore on guitar just incredible and original singer and original drummer andy parker so it's definitely something to see it's 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 very powerful still so yeah it is and and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you in montreal and and the other one i'm hoping for is sebastian bach now he's been doing these 30th anniversary skid row skid row shows um the video that i've seen on youtube and we know how youtube can suck in terms of but even on youtube you've been sounding amazing um talk to me quickly about that and what it's like for you to actually play that album from front to front to back i'm really enjoying it you know at first i was like uh you know i don't i don't know all these songs and i'm sure there's a reason why we haven't played some of them and um and and i do see the reason they don't match as well with with songs from slave to the grind you know when you put it all into one set like we have been doing for the past 14 years or whatever and along with his solo material you know some of the songs on the debut don't match so well but if you once we committed to doing it and i learned the songs it's fun even playing the popular ones it's it's fun you know they're 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 cool for what they are, and we're having a, a really good time with it. We're all on in ears now, in ear monitors, so that's making it a little easier for for Baz because we keep the stage volume softer, and he can he's really singing well, and as as always, he's the most incredible frontman, so just performing incredibly. So uh, it's been a great tour, and there's I think it's been half sold out so far, and it's like you know it's like forty five cities. So that's a lot of sellouts. It's doing very well, and uh, I would definitely hope to get to Canada with it. Yeah, well, you, you better get to Canada because uh, we we love Skid Row. And we want to see that. So, do do you know if Baz have talk, has talked about doing a similar tour with Slave to the Grind because its anniversary is right around the corner too? I mean, that's an obvious thing on the horizon. Even though, no, I don't know that it's it's going to happen, um, but you know, it, it could, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's a pretty obvious thing that that's a possibility. So I'm hoping now that's a, that's a much more intense record. The singing is yes. harder. The, the, the riffing is, is more involved, you know? So it's, I mean, they definitely stepped it up. Uh, and what year was that? 91 in 91, they definitely stepped it up with that record, you know? 
They did, and and they had that song, Get the Fuck Out, which was replaced on some editions so that they could put in a, a different song. So hopefully if you do it, you do everything, including sort of the replacement song. Um, Spread Eagle, let's get back to that real quick. And oh, you know what? Let me remind folks, uh, spreadeagle.us. I know we get a lot of .coms here, but it's spreadeagle.us. Do check out that site. Um, in terms of touring, do you see yourself doing more sort of uh, headlining shows or, or do we see you maybe opening up for UFO or opening up for Sebastian or, or heading out on some other bill or do you sort of want to just hit the clubs by yourself? Well, because we've been away for all those years, we don't have as much say in things like that. So we're open to anything. We'll, we'll headline clubs. We'll, we'll, we'll support other bands and, and, you know, bigger, bigger venues. We'll do festivals you name it, we're open to it. We want to. We want to play. We're really proud of the new record, and we're proud of our 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 history of music. And we just want to get it out there to the people again. So you know, whatever we're open for. Um, I'm talking to agents now, and we're we're trying to plan that out um, right now. And we will be touring this record extensively. Absolutely, that is great. Uh, Subway to the Stars by Spread Eagle out now. Uh, it has been described by many critics as album of the year. Do check it out if you haven't. Uh, head over to spreadeagle.us. Uh, Rob, shall we get over to uh, our uh, Jake the Snake? Yeah, bring on Jake. Here is uh, the one, uh, the only, Jake the Snake Roberts. We are speaking with uh, performer, professional wrestler Jake the Snake Roberts. A Dirty Details tour uh, all of October starting in, uh, well... Indianapolis, Indiana, all the way down to St. John's, Newfoundland, coming to uh, Montreal and Quebec, October 17th and 18th. Uh, as we say up here, uh, Monsieur Snake, uh, bonjour. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Absolutely fabulous, man. Looking forward to getting back to Montreal. I was just there a few months ago during a Comic-Con, but uh, this is a whole different thing. It really is. So let me, uh, let's get into this because fans will, will say, well, what is the Dirty Details Tour? Is it... Is it a wrestling thing? Is it more of a Comic-Con thing? But it's sort of something completely different. So tell it's me. It's a little bit of everything, actually. I mean, we talk about just about anything and everything you could ever think of. But uh, I give you the dirty details on this one, man. It's not for anybody under 18. Uh, you know, even the older ones need to probably wash their ears out when I get through with you. Because I'm taking you down that dark, dusty road, uh what happens behind the scenes, you know, and, uh, in wrestling, um, days, um, uh, you know, it's all about wrestling. You know, you put 18 or 20, uh, guys in a room, you can't expect, uh, the choir to start singing. You know, there's always something going on, uh, practical jokes, uh, things that aren't so practical. And of course I had this snake around me all the time and, uh, that got involved and, I just give you the ins and outs of a duck's rear end, if you will, because I'm going to give you a taste of a little bit of everything. Good. I, I'm looking forward to it. Now, Now, this is a rock show, so I'm going to ask you some rock questions, mm -hmm. and then we'll get into sure. some, some more wrestling stuff. But uh, yeah, man. a lot was made in the early days about this rock and wrestling connection. Of course, uh, sure. famed Lou Albano meets right. Cindy Lauper, and it changes everything. And I'll, I'll just quickly give it you my perspective. Yeah, as a fan, you know, wrestling wasn't part of my world back then. And then you start seeing the videos on MTV, you know, girls just want to have fun. You see, doc, not Doctor, but uh, Lou Albano, and you go, okay, what is this? 
And it seems as though that that connection to the MTV generation brought it from sort of the back rooms of wherever, South Carolina, to the living rooms mm. of New York. Talk to me a little bit about that connection. Well, it was a real wise thing that this big man pulled off. You know, he knew what he had. You know, this guy is no dummy. He went out and collected all the best talent from around everywhere in the United States and Canada brought it all into one spot. And then of course, with the magic of television and what it was doing, uh, exploding with cable and everything at the right time. Um, he tied the two together, you know, he brought everybody out there from Cindy Lauper to Liberace, you know, and then of course, Alice Cooper got involved and, and you had, uh, Ozzy Osbourne make one and, uh, you know, and it's just a, it's a good, age group that we were looking for. That's what it was all about, man. Finding your demographics and um, those those people that just want to have fun. And that's what wrestling is. It's having fun. And, and you're right about finding the demographics because at that time, I'm trying to think, I must have been 17, 18, 19 yep. years old kind of thing, that's right? Uh, male that age, that's perfect. 16 to 30, man. 16 to 30. That's what they were looking for and uh, you grab that, and that's a pretty raucous group when you think about it. You know, you put a little gasoline here and a little gasoline there, and you got a fire going pretty strong. You really do. And would you say that that sort of connection still goes on today? Because when you see wrestlers come out today, they all have their theme music. They all have their theme oh, yeah. song. It really changed the entire industry. It's a part of the show, man. You know, Vince uh, did a phenomenal job. You know, in the early days, it was Rick... Uh, Oh, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name now. God Almighty. They did all the music. Oh, gosh. I know. Here's a funny one for you. They called me one time and uh, said, uh, Jake, you need to come to New York. Um, we're going to film you doing something, you know, taping you. I'm like, okay, cool. So I get on a plane, fly to New York. Lemo picks me up, takes me downtown New York City. There's the building there. They tell me it's the 35th floor. So I take it to the 35th floor. I got all my gear with me and the snake. And so I, I, I get off the elevator. I walk into the office. I'm like, Jake the Snake Roberts, I'm here to do something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was doing a camera shoot. Okay. I thought we were going to take some photos. So I said, I need a room. They're like, excuse me? I'm like, I need a room to change. And they're like, okay. And I should have called on, but I didn't. So they gave me this room. I go in there, put all my stuff on, tape my wrist up, put the oil on, brush the hair back, get the snake out, and I come out, and they're like, my God, what are you doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you're here to sing. I'm like, what? Sing? I don't sing. And that's what I was there for, man. We were doing the wrestling album, and um, the magic uh, those guys created by using my voice to, to actually be in tune uh, was amazing. Uh, Rick, what Rick Derringer is Rick? Oh, I can't remember. Don't go. I hate when I do that. I call them brain farts. But anyway, yeah, it was amazing what they did. They used all the wrestlers and songs and stuff, and they put that album together. And it was just part of the package. Vince was so wise, man. He would, you know, he put put a trombone in your hand, the guitar in your hand. Hulk had the guitar. Of course, you got drummers. You got guys playing saxophone. You got trumpets, and dressed us up like clowns. And we went out there and did an album. And it's sold, you know, that's unbelievable, but it, it, that was just part of it, man. 
And it was it was such a great part of it. I mean, it, it really transformed. Sure. I mean, it transformed a lot of us into fans. I mean, you know, sitting up here in Montreal, oh, yeah. the WWF at the time right. really didn't have any importance in my life. And then I saw Cindy no. Lauper, and then but but mostly yeah. it was for me it was Alice Cooper. So let me get to this one: uh, WrestleMania three. Yeah. Uh, right. The honky tonk man defeated Jake Roberts, which is horrible script mm. writing. You, you obviously mm. you should have won that one. Well, obviously it was fake. Of course. Know, I didn't realize I'd kill that son of a bitch. <laughs> you know? Yes, you would. But you know, I'd still like to. <laughs> <laughs> like the rest of us. No. Yeah. But talk to me about yeah. that, working with Alice. First of all, were you a fan of Alice? And then... Oh, my God. Are you kidding me, man? Brother, when I was 18, well, 17 in high school, the number one song at the time was School's Out for Summer. You know, School's Out Forever, man. Are you kidding me, man? I was so into Alice Cooper, brother. And I've been to one of his shows years before, and now all of a sudden I'm going to meet him, and they're like, oh, my God, you're going to do a photo shoot with him, Jake, at the Mayflower Hotel, downtown New York City, right across from Central Park. It's going to be phenomenal. So they take me down there, and I'm all dressed up. I got the snake in the bag, and they take me upstairs to this big, beautiful suite, take me in there, and now I'm waiting. Alice Cooper's fixing to come in, and when he comes in, I want to jump up and run to him and go, God, my Alice Cooper, man. All right, man, it's so cool to meet you. But instead, when he opened the door, he shot across the room with Jake Roberts. Man, I'm a big fan of yours. I also wanted to meet you. I'm like, damn it. I can't be a fanboy for five minutes. What the hell? Come on. Give me a break. But uh, he was a fan of mine. I had no idea. And um, we always, of course, we did, uh, we did the photo shoot and everything. It was pretty funny. And then we did uh, WrestleMania. And... Um, what was crazy about Mania was they put us on these gigantic scissor lifts. They had a miniature ring, and we'd stand on it, and it would take us down the aisle. Of course, while you go down the aisle, it lifts you up about 25 feet in the air so all the people could see it, you know, and you got these ropes and stuff to hang on to. And as we're going to the ring, Alice Cooper starts just digging into my shoulder with his fingernails, man, and he's 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 passing out. Holy crap. What's wrong with you, man? Are you all right? So I'm like, what the hell dude? And he just looks up at me. He goes, too much, too much rush. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And the lift came down and I got him to his feet and I'm like, you all right? He's like, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'm like, all right, man. Cool. So we did the match. Then after just like, what, what the hell happened, man? He's like, Jake, he said, 94,000 people, man. Didn't you feel it? I'm like, yeah, I felt it, man. Are you kidding me, man? It felt like my all my body hair was growing. It felt like I had electricity on my skin, and there was absolutely no oxygen left. I mean, your breath was gone as soon as you went through that curtain, and it was just sucked right out of you. He's like, it's different for me, Jake. He said, if it's my thing, I've got, I've got all my stuff around me. I've got guitars in my hands. I got props. I got the guys doing this, that, and the other. He goes, but you're taking me to the ring, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I just thought that was amazing, man, that, uh, that it got him, you know. But, you know, of course, Detroit that year was unbelievable, man. 94,000 people. It, it's an amazing experience. It's, you, know, you, can't, you can't describe it in words, man. You really can't. You can't, and I would argue that probably looking back, WrestleMania three must have been, or, or probably still is, the biggest event, just in terms of the, the social impact, in terms of how it moved the sport forward or the the the, the entertainment forward, how it the fans. It's just 
That one well, was it. Well, you got to remember, it was 94,000 people, but this was before uh, cell phones. This was before social media. You know, so yes, they beat in that record. They beat it in, uh, in Dallas. Of course, they had over a hundred thousand. True. But to have ninety-four thousand people without social media, without all the things that are going on today, is to me is a record that will ever be broken. Oh, I, you know I, I mean, I remember them telling us that we beat uh, the Rolling Stones by seven thousand, and we beat the Pope by four thousand. <laughs> Wow. I remember telling my mom, wow. we beat the Pope, mom. She's like, is that a good thing? You beat the Pope? I'm like, no, I didn't hit him, mom. But we just had more people than he did, you know? She said, well, that doesn't tell us, that doesn't show too good when you think about Christianity and stuff. Now, yeah. does it? No. You know, um, wrestling outdraws Christianity for a moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing event and uh, one that I'll hold true to my heart, you know, forever. Uh, I got myself in trouble that night because um, before before the, the match, uh, Andre refused to meet with Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan about what they were going to do. And Andre was just having fun, but McMahon and Hogan did not know that. And Andre liked to play cards. As the show goes on, him and I are playing um, cards and we're playing cribbage at the board out and pegging points and all that stuff. And Vince keeps going, hey, Andre, we need to talk. And he's like, no, I'm losing. And and we keep going, no, I'm not doing it yet. I'm, I'm still $10 down, you know. And, and we're playing, and, uh, and Vince goes behind Andre, and, and Vince is looking at me going, get the hell out, you know, giving me the thumb and move it, dude. And I'm like, holy crap, Andre, I need to go. He goes, no, sit down, I'm still losing. And the bell's ringing for their match, and Andre still hasn't talked to him. And Andre just gets up and shoves the card. I'm mad now, and and storms to the ring. McMahon looks at me and he goes, "Fine, really good job, Jake." And I'm like, "Do anything, man." And Hogan's telling McMahon, "Look, I don't want to go out there. I don't know what he's going to do to me." And Hogan was scared to go to the ring. Because he didn't know if Andre was going to be nice to him or if he was just going to swallow him. And uh, there was no doubt in anybody's mind, Andre kicked your ass. No doubt. Yeah. He was just so, 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 so strong. You have no idea how strong that man was. You know, it's not a fair fight even if two guys get on him. I know Black Jack Mulligan and Dick Murdoch jumped him all at once. And both those guys were 300 pounders. And Andre made quick work of them, threw them through different plate glass windows and went outside and picked them up, put them in the trunk of a taxi and took them to the hospital. <laughs> you know, they took them out of the trunk, put them in the hospital and said, tell them to come back to bar after you fix them. You know, and uh, there's just nobody like Andre. I mean, these are some of the stories I'll be telling at the show. And I would, you know, of course, I'm going to be able to tell a lot of crazier stories and uh, sensational sharing. I'll be talking about Macho Man from the snake bit and Oh my God! There's just so many stories to go on and on and on. And so and many great stories. For, yeah, no, yeah. I, I wrestled for 36 years, so I got 36 years of stories to tell. 
And I'm looking forward to them. This is going to be a great yeah. night. And, and of course, it's great. at the, the Foo Foon Electrique, which is a fantastic venue. You're going to love that place. Mm, um, good, good. Before we run out of time, because I, I see yeah. we're getting close to the 20-minute mark, uh, I do want to right, ask bro. you about the resurrection yeah. of Jake the Snake. Yeah. Now, you just yeah. mentioned Andre the Giant. He had a yeah. documentary about his life, which mm-hmm. honestly brings a tear to your eye. But then, Oh, it does. Absolutely. It does. And then we see the resurrection of Jake the Snake, and... Yeah. It brings a tear to your eyes too. Did you struggle yeah. with the with the storytelling? Because it's very very personal. We we see it's very personal, but uh, you know, from from an addict's point, I knew, I knew without a doubt, I had to do this. If I didn't, I was dead. Because I was already wishing I was dead. I I actually prayed to die. I used to get angry at God when somebody else would die. I go, why not me, man? Because I was so miserable with my life. I hated myself so much because of everything that had happened and my mistakes and, and being sexually abused and all that anger and stuff was just going through me like like venom. And I was wanting to die. And I knew that this was the last chance for me. If this didn't work, I was done. And I thought, well, why not put this on tape? Because I think that I, in somewhere in my mind, I thought it would be actually easier to put it on tape than it is to actually live it. Because then you can say, well, this is a part of a job type situation. I'm just acting this out. Well, reality was I was just showing you what I was going through. And uh, it was very real. And uh, there was no cut, take in, you know, none of that. It was just wrong. No, it really worked out well. It's helped a lot of people. Um, The best high I've ever been on, man, and this includes drugs, but I'm talking about the best high I've ever gotten in my life is when I get a letter from a little kid thanking me, thanking me for helping their daddy because daddy's moved back home, you know, because... They got something out of that movie or, you know, even on the other side, uh, kind of letters from people that have famed about it because now they understand addiction more and the pain of addiction, the struggle that the addict goes through and, and what they're going through. People have this conception that addicts are out there having a great time. They're not. They're hating themselves. They're hating life. They're hating life. They wish to hell they could stop, but they can't. But people don't get it. And you can't get over it by hitting people in the head. That don't do it. It takes commitment. It takes a lot of love. And it takes somebody, whether it be a Diamond Dallas Page or your your family members, it takes several people to get around you and get you through this struggle. And it takes time. But the good side of this, did you know that 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 documentary, The Resurrection, has been voted the second best resurrection of all time? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Go figure, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, uh-huh. WrestleMania was bigger than Christian. No, no. but the, the, no. Yeah. It, but Joke Society really is an impactful movie because yeah, when I is. saw it, uh, honestly, I was flipping through uh, Netflix at the time, and it randomly came up, and I went, "Oh yeah. man, look at that!" There, because I, I hadn't thought about you in ten or fifteen right. years because you had, right. and, I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. You know, no, 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 no. I had disappeared. I wanted to disappear because I was so. And I watched it horribly caught up in it, and it was just like holy fuck, you know. And it was yep. just like, yep. 
No, so let me ask you this, and I'll relate it back to the music, because um, James Hetfield of Metallica, after all these years, just canceled all their European and, and Australian tour dates because he has gone back into rehab after whatever it is, 20 years yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And at some point, because I've never been an addict, I don't drink, I don't smoke, mm-hmm. and I and I don't mean that. In, uh, yes. And, and when you look at somebody like James Hetfield, you go, well, he's been mm-hmm. in the clear for 20 years. He's good to go. But it, but addicts will say, but well, you're never good to go. You're it's, never good, man. You're never good. So the horrible you, thing about it, the horrible oh, go ahead, sir. I was just going to say, how, how do you, because what we saw in the movie, and, uh-huh. and, I'm, I'm, and I'm assuming there's a lot of stuff we didn't see. No. Yeah. Um, how do you go on tour, come to Montreal, do this, and not mm-hmm. get tempted, and not have a fan say, "Hey, do you want to you want to take a line?" Hey, like well, what sort of know, keeps you straight? They do, they do come and do that foolishly, but they do. Kind of idiotic for them to here, do that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I still prop myself up. I have safety lines all around me. I don't travel alone. I travel with somebody else. I don't stay in a room by myself because you know why? I don't trust myself. So you got to put your pride to the side, man. If you want to get sober, you got to put your pride to the side and make sobriety the number one thing that you do every day. My head's so locked into it, man. The smell of alcohol makes me sick. Just the smell of it, you know? And if I go through an airport and I get to where there's a bar or something, I have to steer way clear of it because it smells and it makes my stomach upset. And I'm grateful for that because I know how quickly I could become that guy again. And here's the sad thing about it, man. When you've been clean for 20 years, when you come back and you start again, you try to make up for lost time. And that's usually when it kills you because you come back and you don't do just an eight ball. Now you're doing two eight balls. You know, if you're talking about cocaine, you know, if you're drinking, you're doing a bottle and a half instead of one bottle. Cause like you're trying to make up for that lost time and it's a sickness, man. And it's horrible. But if you're smart and you want to stay clear, you got to surround yourself with the right people. And, and, and that's where people make their mistakes. They say, well, I'm clear. I can forget about it now. No, you can never forget about it. You got to stand on guard. Do you got to stand on guard? You well, especially in Canada, you got to stand on guard. Uh, Everywhere, right, right. <laughs> no, but it's part of our national anthem. Um, yeah. I get do, it. do you do you live in fear? Do Do you think not in fear? No, not in fear. No, no. no. Okay. I live. I'm I'm proud of where I am, and I I know that I'm safe. Because of what, I, you know, I might as well be in a one-man castle the way I look at it, man, because there ain't nothing getting over those walls. I'm not taking any shortcuts. I'm not picking up a sip of anything. I'm not taking a pill for anything other than what I'm supposed to take. And, you know, I, I take I take a med now that even if I was to take an opiate, it wouldn't work. So there are, there are ways to stop yourself from going there. You can take a pill that if you take a sip of alcohol, it will make you deathly ill. It's called an abuse. Yes, I took it for a while. If you take a sip of alcohol, and believe me, brother, I did it because I had to try it. It made me so sick, man. I thought I was puking my toenails up, man. It hurt so bad. Oh, my God. You've never been that ill. 
But I take those things to make sure that I don't make that mistake. Smart people do that. I'm not weak. I'm strong. I'm smart. Because I'm taking these things and saying, all right, I can't do this because I've got this right here. And I can't do that because I've got this right here. I got my, I got my people out front, man. I got my, I got my defense up. Yeah, bring it, offer it. I don't give a damn. I'm going to laugh at you, man, because I don't need it. I don't want it, and I feel great. Good. And, and, and by the way, I've it, been blessed. it's great hearing you like this, because when you look at the movie, yeah, you man. go, sure. anyway, so, and, and I know we're going to run out of time, so I'll, I'll start yeah. wrapping up. But let me give you two questions right. real quick. Right. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just just what does he mean to you? Because when we talk about saviors, I think it's mm. fair to say that he's your savior. Or, or is that is he's that overdramatic? Well, you got to understand the whole situation to understand it even better. He needed me and I needed him. He needed somebody to put out there to show the people how invested he was and committed he was to helping people. He not only helps me, he helps thousands of people with this program, with his commitment to it and he, and getting it out there and explaining it and going places. Even when he doesn't want to go, he still goes because he wants to get that program out there. If you've not done DDP yoga, you don't understand it at all. That's what helps keep me sober is understanding that, that commitment to living, that commitment to joy, that commitment to happiness. You know, I, I love happiness now, you know? See, I didn't have happiness for about 25 years. So it's a new high for me just to be happy. You know, it's a new joy. Diamond Dallas Page did not walk through the pits of hell with me. He pointed the direction and said, here's how we do it, brother. And he put me on that line. He couldn't be with me 24-7. No, but you know what he did? He made it available to me to have people there with me that worked for him. I would take them on my road trips. You know, for two years when I was still, you know, I was coming, getting sober, but I needed to work. So what did I do? Well, I got bookings. That was no problem. But you can't go there by yourself, Jake. That's too big of a, too big of a chance. Why take a chance? Well, here's what you're going to do, Jake. You're going to pay this guy to come with you. You're going to pay his airline fare, his hotel bill, his food, and you're going to give him some cash on top of that. Well, damn, that's 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 a lot of money. How much money is it, really, when you think about it? Because a thousand dollars is nothing for a cokehead to go through. You know, no, that's an, that, I mean, that's an <laughs> that's a good night. That's a good night. You know. So that's a good time, you know, or that's what we called a good time. You know, people ask me why I did go game because I like that stuff. It was fun at first. At first, that's, that's the hook that all these addictions get you on. It's a good time at first, but then it turns on you. Anytime you have to have something to survive, it's not fun anymore. No, I and agree. there I am. Uh, and there I am. 
I'll ask you one more question, but I'll just quickly remind the folks, uh, the Dirty Details Tour is uh, happening here in October, at least in this part of the world. It'll it'll continue. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeSnakeDDT, the famous move. Instagram is JakeTheSnakeDDT, and Facebook is RealJakeTheSnake. And I will finish with this. Um, This year you starred in, in a movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon, yeah, yeah. Uh, about a 22-year-old with Down syndrome. Just talk to me a little right. bit about that movie and, you know, the, the sort of second career. I mean, obviously you did the wrestling and now you're doing these, um, I guess for the lack of a better word, speaking engagements, but there's also this. Mm-hmm. There's, something, there's a Disney series. Um, just talk to me right. about that movie. Well, that movie was, um, you know, a blessing in disguise. Uh, I went down and did that in Savannah, Georgia. And here's how weird it is, man. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, the star, one of the stars of the movie, he has a problem with alcohol and drugs. And just as I show up to do my thing, he gets arrested and thrown in jail for attacking a cop when he was drunk. And I, I looked at that and went, aha, here's me an opportunity to show some love and see if I can help somebody. So for the next week or so, I talked to him and tried to get him going in the right direction. And I think I was fairly successful at it. I haven't seen him in the news since, so that's a good thing. But to do that movie was um, was tough for me because growing up, I had a stepbrother that was um, mentally challenged, and you know he had a lot of issues. He drooled a lot. He, he just he didn't run, you know he walked funny, and you know people pointed at him, people laughed, and um, I was pretty angry about that stuff. And now here I'm doing this movie with a kid and I'm asked to beat him up. You know how hard that was for me to do that? Oh, I can imagine. It must have been. Incredibly hard. Because afterwards I'd go to the kid to explain to him, hey man, they wanted me to do that. They wanted me to say those horrible things to you. And he'd just look at me and go, oh, Jay, it's okay. And it made me feel even worse. You know, it made me feel like a real piece of crap. But it was such a joy to do that movie. It really, really was, man. And I needed that because I needed to forget those horrible days that I had in the past dealing with my, my stepbrother and people, you know, being ugly to him and stuff. Because I carried a lot of hate, a lot of hate for people. You know, I've always um, said, you know, kids are great. They'll tell you the truth. It's the grownups that suck and lie to you, you know, just to con you. And that's kind of the way I felt. But um, that movie helped me a lot. And now I'm uh, going to China to do a full-length picture. And uh, I'm the star of the thing. And uh, really looking forward to doing it. It's going to be a Western, you know, film like in the 1860s, 1870s with the uh, uh, railroads being built. We uh, brought a bunch of Chinese over here to work on the railroad. And we abused them horribly, you know. Since we can no longer uh, have slaves and blacks, we uh, brought Chinese over and enslaved them, basically, and beat the hell out of them and killed them. And, and I wound up being a good guy at the end of this one. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, there's a lot of doors opening for me. I'm going to Australia to do a two-month tour over there. I'm going to Singapore to do another little tour over there. I've got this tour that I'm about to start in Indianapolis uh, this week. Uh, it's actually 57 shows in 61 days. So I'm going to be busy. Wow, that, that is You know crazy. how easy it is? You know how easy it is when you love it? Yep. Oh, yeah. That's all. It's, it's going to be a cakewalk because I'm digging it, I'm loving it, and I'm helping 
other people get well. And, and that's how I feel when I do these interviews. So I'll just remind the folks, uh, he, he's being uh, in uh, Dayton, Columbus, Liberty, uh, at the Funny Bone, uh, the Zanies in Illinois, Chicago, Rosemont, uh, Fufun Electrique, Montreal, October 18th, and then uh, we've got Quebec, uh, La Source de la Matinière, yeah, and then all the Yuck Yucks in Ontario, Ottawa, Toronto, Oshawa, Burlington. Uh, do check yep. his website and his social medias for the exact dates and ticketing information. And uh, Jake, as we say in Montreal, Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. An absolute, absolute pleasure. The, uh, the, the 15 year old in me who is long gone, uh, loved yeah, every I minute did. of this. I really appreciate your help. And, uh, thank you so much for doing this interview. And, uh, I just want to leave one last thing out there. What kind of world would we have if we each started helping people? Yeah. Just once, one a day, help somebody one time a day and let's see how much better you feel. You'll smile, I guarantee you. Try it, it's fun. Uh, see you guys. Uh, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Jake, and uh, I will see you in Bye. Montreal. Merci. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers now. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. 